Nick Gangstead here, joined by Kevin Gray, Kevin Gray Sports. We're going to break down Dallas Mavericks' Game 1 win over the Clippers. Lots of stuff to get into. We'll talk about it all right here on Locked On Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. Dallas Mavericks are NBA champions. believe you shouldn't be here and welcome you are locked on to the dallas mavericks my name is nick angstead media member and coordinator for the lockdown podcast network and joining me second time on the show first time with me kevin gray at kevin gray sports kevin what you got for me What's up, man? How are you? I'm glad to be on the program. You and Isaac out here killing the game with Locked On Mavericks. I feel like I've arrived. Look, I work at 105 through the fan, <laughs> of course, home of the Cowboys and Rangers. But being on Locked On Mavericks, like, well, wait a minute. Nick gave me an invite. I must have arrived. So I'm happy to be here with you this evening, man. Good oh, to be here. Oh, man. Oh, man. I spent, I spent many a year on the other side of that. Of that phrase that I felt like somebody invited me on. So, hey, happy to uh, give people opportunities if that's even what this is, I guess. I guess it is at this point, right? Like, man, that's such a weird thing to think about. But on today's show, we are going to, like I said, break down more of game one, get into the nitty gritty of it. I want to get into the coverages that were given to Luka defensively from the Clippers. I want to talk about Porzingis' offense, when he got his touches, and where. Carlisle gave a really interesting quote during practice or after practice today that I want to get into. And then, There are four big moments from game one that I want to get into because I think those were four moments that are going to define this series for the Mavericks. And so we're getting into them, talk about them with Kevin. Uh, Yeah, but before we do, Locked On NBA, go subscribe to it. And honestly, every single Locked On show right now is great on the NBA side. I I can't speak for all the other ones, haven't listened to all the (laughs) other ones, the NFL, college, I'm not responsible for those. I am responsible for all the NBA ones. So you can go listen to any single one of them. They'll hold up. And after all these incredible playoff games this weekend, especially probably Locked on Grizzlies for sure, you'll want to listen to that one. Sean Coleman will be holding you down. And then David Locke from Locked on Jazz after that Memphis-Utah game. It may be a hate listen from from Mavs fans to go listen and (laughs) and listen to David Locke, but it might be worth it. So go check that out and go check out all the good stuff on Locked on NBA. All right, let's get into this. So I want to bring up the coverages on Luka. Because it's the big question going around. How are the Clippers going to cover Luka? How are they going to defend him? Uh, and so what were your takes from game one about how the Clippers decided to cover Luka? Because there's a lot of different versions and different things that they gave him. I just, what got me, and I don't know if it got you the same, but I'm not sure how the Clippers looked at the film from last year's playoff series and said, hey, let's try Patrick Beverly out on Luka Doncic to start the game off with. Let's see how that goes off and works out again in the series and of course Luka Doncic starts to cook him early in the first quarter he had 12 points got him into early foul trouble and you could just tell right away that he was it was a point for Luka Doncic that they were going to put Patrick Beverly on him to punish him early and often and that's exactly what they did so I wasn't sure why Ty Lue looked at things and said hey let's try to get you know Beverly I know he's a pest you know a pest in terms of being you know a defensive player and those kinds of things but Lucas is too big and too strong for Beverly. So I thought that was interesting that they decided early on to start off with Beverly on on Doncic once again. And obviously it didn't work again either. 
it felt like they were going to start Beverly on him, just like okay, we'll get we'll put the pest guy on him just for those initial like. 10 seconds of the shot clock or five seconds of the shot clock, just so that he gets in, gives him some ball pressure, swipes at the ball because they knew that the Mavericks were going to run a bunch of pick and rolls. They're they going to run a bunch of screens and then the Clippers are going to switch anyway. Cause they switched a ton in this game. They went did. back and went back and watched it again today. And they switched a whole bunch in this game. And so they were expecting, all right, they'll switch and it'll be one of our other guys that'll come. And then Beverly will come over and help, or we'll have all the other, all the other three wings, like Paul George, Kawhi and Morris that are all going to help. The thing is, Luca destroyed Zubots. Like he just played him <laughs> off the floor. Scored uh, the matchup data from NBA.com said he scored Luca scored 16 of his 31 points against Zubots. Like that that is nuts. That he scored that many points just on one player that wasn't even like initially guarding him. So I, I thought that was really interesting. The, the the thing that really the reason why I brought this up again today, Ty Lue had a comment at Clippers practice on Monday or on on, on uh, Sunday. And he was asked by Tim McMahon why Kawhi Leonard doesn't get the defensive assignment against Luka more often. Ty Lue said, I think you're going to get what you're asking for come Tuesday. <laughs> All right. And then, and then Tim McMahon followed that up by saying, the Clippers' concern is that Kawhi Leonard exhausts so much energy on the offensive end that giving him the toughest defensive assignment risks him running out of gas, but they don't have another answer for Luka. Uh, my thing is... That's not the answer for Luka because they did that a lot in this game. Kawhi guarded Luka a decent amount in this game. They just screened him off of him every single time. I think mm-hmm. I went back and tracked like almost every time Luka had the ball and was initiating offense. And Kawhi, the first like like in the middle like in the middle 5 minutes, like a full 5 minutes in the first quarter, Kawhi was guarding Luka and they just switched every single time. Like pick and pick and roll with either Maxi or whoever Zubats was guarding, and then Luca was switched onto Zubats. Like they did this, they did the Kawhi thing. Like what else is he supposed to do? Like what else is Kawhi supposed to do? I guess they can put him on, put Kawhi on Luca every possession, but it's yeah. just, they're just gonna pick him off of him every single time. There's not enough time for him to recover and to get back to Luca to me. And that's gonna have to be the adjustment that the Clippers make. One is to not switch everything. I know in today's NBA, you switch everything. It seems like. But when you've got your best defender getting switched out and getting your center on to Doncic, that's a matchup that the Mavericks are going to exploit every single time that happens. So I'm interested to see how Ty Lue defensively adjusts to maybe doing a little bit less switching with Kawhi Leonard, especially if you're going to make him more of a primary defender on Luka you know, throughout the game in game two, because you can't simply just continue to switch everything and think that the Mavericks won't take advantage of that, whether it be Doncic in the pick and roll or being able to, you know, take guys off the dribble, whomever gets switched out onto them. So I think you'll see Kawhi Leonard try to fight a little more through screens and try to remain on Luka instead of getting picked off and just getting switched off every time because that that can't happen if you're the Clippers. You've tried to stay in this series. And the thing that changes this for the for the Mavs and specifically for Luka is that mid range shot. He just woke yeah. up. Like, Luca, man, like <laughs> this past summer. Now he's a three level. He's a three level scorer to where he will yes. punish you. Whether he'll take it to the basket, he'll hit you in the mid range, and now his ability to shoot the ball from the three point line with more consistency. Like he's going to punish you wherever you go to on the floor nowadays. He just woke up this year and was like, "I'm just going to shoot mid range shots this year. I know I didn't do it the first two years, but I'm just going to do it this year and see what happens." And he hits them at a really good rate, and so. 
people ask, well, why can't Kawhi? This is a question I got in locker room today. Why can't the Clippers just guard Luka straight up? Why do they have to throw all these different things with trapping and switching and all these and you know stunting and all this different stuff? Why do they have to throw all that at him? Why can't they just guard him straight up? The answer is there. If you set a good screen on Kawhi, the the initial defender, like the primary defender on Luka or whoever's primary primarily defending Luka, there is not enough time for that player to get around that screen to get to Luka by the time. You know, he gets there. Luca will have put a shot up or pass mm-hmm. to the roller or, you know, who, where, wherever he's going to send it. Send it to a, you know, a three-point shooter where the, the defender sagged off and didn't stay home. Like, there's just not enough time for that defend, that person to, to recover. And that's the thing about Kawhi is, sure, guard him straight up, don't switch. Then he's just going to have to recover on all these screens, chase around Luca all this time, and then he's going to get all, expel all that energy, and then it just won't matter. And, you know, on the, on the, he won't matter as much on the offensive end. Because one of the things I think Kawhi Leonard can exploit with Doncic, you know, he's not afraid to take on bigger guys. You saw a couple years ago when he was with Toronto, you know, and what he did against Giannis in the playoffs. Strength for strength, he can handle guys of that size. It's just that when you've got the vision, the creativity, and Luka Doncic's ability to use his strength the way that he does, it makes it difficult for guys to recover because – I'll call it deceptively quick, if you will. He can get to the basket <laughs> once he puts you on on his hip. So once he gets by you, you know, it's pretty much over anyway. At least you didn't say sneaky athletic. At least, <laughs> at least you didn't go. I didn't go well, for that one. No, yeah, no, you didn't I'll go, go deceptively quick. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, so I, I was, I'm just interested to see what they're going to do in, in, in game two. Uh, there are so many switches. They tried everybody on him, like Kawhi. And it, like Pat Beverly started the game on him, initially guarding him. Kawhi in the middle of the first quarter. The end of the first quarter, it was uh, Paul George. The very end, it was Batum. And then second quarter, Pat Patrick Beverly started on him. The end of the third, the end of the second quarter, it was uh, Morris. And then Rondo started picking him up full court at the end of the second quarter. <laughs> that's that's with right. With Morris. Yep. Uh, third quarter, Patrick Beverly started on him again, and then they just kept switching on Zubats, and then eventually Zubats got played off the floor in that quarter. Patrick Beverly still on him. Kawhi was on him in the middle of the third quarter. Then Batum at the end of the third quarter. There was one possession. I went back and tracked every single one of them. There was one possession where Reggie Jackson was the initial defender on Red, on Luca. Oh wow! And it wasn't a switch or anything. And as soon as Luca saw Reggie Jackson. He just pulled up from three, just immediately <laughs> pulled up on him and just he hit had a flashbacks, three, had flashbacks, had flashbacks, hit a three right on him. Yeah, he just was sitting there and Reggie Jackson saw that. And then uh, at the end, it was Batum and Rondo were picking up, um, picking up Luca full court. Batum guarded him basically the rest of the game, and Rondo would pick him up like at half court or full court or three quarters court to try and you know trap. And then Jalen Brunson was kind of the key to that, to, to sort of breaking those traps. So I found that all really interesting. Um, yeah. See what they're going to do. Kawhi, I guess, is going to guard him more. I guess all those names that I just listed, it's just going to be Kawhi's name in game two, which I think I'm okay with. Well, at some point, you've got to use the best bullets that you got in your gun. And for I think for Ty Lue, looking at what Luka Doncic did to them in the first game, you can't not go into game two swinging for the fence. And if your best defender happens to be your best offensive player, then you're going to have to do what you have to do to see what he can do against Luka Doncic. So I'm not surprised that Ty Lue came out and said, you know, kind of definitively, well, hey, you want more Kawhi on Luka Doncic? Well, that's exactly what you're going to get. So I'm interested to see how Carlisle adjusts knowing that Kawhi Leonard is going to be a little bit more of a defensive presence, especially on Luka in game two. That should be a fun matchup to watch. 
That'll be fascinating. Uh, coming up, let's get into Porzingis and his offense. Porzingis was a big point of contention after a win, even. Like, he, <laughs> he's so polarizing <laughs> that even after a win, he gets hate. Um, but we'll get into him. We'll talk about his offense, his touches. Uh, Carla had a really interesting comment about him, so we'll talk about that with Kevin Gray coming up. But before we do, Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Wouldn't it be great if there's a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, be better? All those things. Wouldn't you want to be all those things? If you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Whatever the situation, Headspace can really help. If you need help falling asleep, Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. For me, right now, my wind-down is like listening to an episode of The Office or (laughs) something. I need to change it up, so we got to use Headspace. Uh, Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash NBA Again, headspace.com slash NBA. You'll get a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash NBA today. Also, I want to tell you about Built Bar. BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're absolutely delicious. They're not sold in stores. You have to get them on the website. Isaac and I rave about these. Pretty much everybody on the Lockdown Podcast Network raves about them. They have nine delicious flavors right now. The best ones for me, the ones that I reordered just recently, mint brownie, raspberry, the uh, cherry barcia. Those are my favorite ones. A lot of people love the peanut butter brownie, double chocolate. Those are great too. The coconut. And, uh, of course, if they have the coconut brownie chunk, go and do not do not wait. Do not hesitate. Do not consult your bank account. Immediately buy those bars because they're going to sell out immediately. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Kevin, let's get into some more stuff about the Mavs. Game one, breaking it down. Mavs won, by the way. Took away home court advantage. Love it. Love it. Uh, I was watching your post-game video on Kevin Gray Sports on YouTube and you said that the Clippers folded like a cheap tent, and I love that line. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> that was a great line. Yeah. Uh, Man, they really did. And the thing is, Porzingis didn't really play that big of a factor. And we've talked all year about how he wants his shots in a certain space. He's been particular about his shots. And it's because someone else brought this up in locker room. I keep saying that, but they did. It's not because Isaac and I or Mavs Media or Kevin or whoever just wants to keep bringing this up and belaboring the point. Porzingis is the one that brings this up. He's the mm-hmm. one that talks about it. Even after this game, Kevin, to, to us in the media, like in, after the media, were you surprised that the first thing that he said afterwards was, well, you know, I didn't get my shots, and, and you know, if I'm not involved in the offense, then, you know, I have to find other ways and blah, blah, blah. Were you surprised by his answer that way? Because he eventually was like, it was a, it was a good team win. But the first thing he thought of was where his shots are coming from. Yeah, because, you know, Carla had mentioned prior to Porzingis getting on that, you know, he had to be patient, you know, in the offense and had to wait for his things to kind of come to him as the game went on. And the first question that was brought up to him was about that very patience in game one and being able to stay with it, even though he wasn't involved necessarily in the offense. And so I think he just answered the question based on what was asked of him. And look, I think that's a a point of contention for a lot of folks who watch this team And it feels like there's a lot of things that are forced fed when it comes to try and get Porzingis involved in this offense. And at times it doesn't feel like he's a natural part and flow of this offense for for the Mavericks. So I understand the frustration definitely because 
we know how much he prefers playing the five versus playing the four in this particular offense. So when he's not getting the shots or feeling like he's getting involved based on the position that he's playing, for the most part, he has voiced those quote unquote concerns, if you will, to let us know, hey, this is what I prefer. And if someone's listening, this is exactly (laughs) what I want to see happen. But hey, it was a great team win. Great team win. I want to get more involved in the offense. But hey, it was a great team win. Exactly. (laughs) I think they. I think he's right in the sense that they do need. To, he does need to get more involved. Uh, the other thing is he needs to be involved in the right spots. I went back sure. and I, was watch, I watched again today, and I I marked every time he had the ball and was like about to initiate offense, like not swing passes or things like that, but it was about to initiate offense. And they started the game with a play run for KP. Mm-hmm. Right, like it was the it was the Tim Hardaway Jr. comes and sets a down screen for him. He curls around the around that and then comes up and hits a jumper, which I thought was was great. It was basically like a Clay Thompson like mid range jumper type play that they ran for him. And then he hit a three at the beginning of the first quarter too. And then what happened at eight minutes and thirty five seconds in the first quarter? KP got the ball on the left wing and he tries to dribble with Kawhi guarding him. And Ka- mm-hmm. Kawhi's, Kawhi's guarding him but the times that he's not guarding Luka. Apparently he's going to guard Luka all the time now, but uh, <laughs> and then Kawhi just like took his lunch money and then KP had to foul him to stop the fast break, which apparently is something that every Maverick wants to do uh because including Luka Luka, Luka yeah. K- we'll talk about Luka in a minute, but Luka, KP and Maxi all made comments about stopping fast breaks with a foul. Apparently that has to be a, a Mavs mandated type thing. Uh, but so when KP had to foul right there because Kawhi got the steal, and then he didn't touch the ball the whole rest of the first quarter. Like the whole rest of the first quarter, he didn't touch the ball after that. Second quarter, uh, this might take me a little bit to get through some of these, but I have a I have a point. Stay stay with me, everyone. Listen. <laughs> Second quarter, he pulls up for a two point shot with Paul George guarding him. He missed that one. It was a decent shot. It was pretty difficult shot, but it was it was a decent look. Uh, a couple minutes later, he drives on Ibaka, doesn't get a call. He miss he misses the shot. There was like it was like a, a bang bang kind of play at the rim, and no foul was called. Kind of got in his head. He was complaining about a, a, a call. Uh, a minute after that, he posts up on Batum, about 15 feet away from the basket, exactly where we've been saying all year he can't get the ball in those that 15 foot like 15 to 20 foot range. He can't face up from there unless it's against a big or post up from there. It just doesn't work. He needs to be right. Closer to the basket, get get better position. Uh, he misses there. Now, then Batum knocks the ball out away from him. Uh, Luca comes back in with about six minutes and fifty seconds left in the second quarter. Luke KP barely touches the ball the rest of the quarter. Uh, third quarter. This is where this is where it's really important, and this is what really messed him up. Uh, beginning of the third quarter, KP tries to drive on Kawhi again. He takes a bad shot. He misses. There was sort of a foul. It was close. I couldn't tell unless you really slowed it down and did the whole replay thing if it was really a, a foul, and that's the same for a lot of these. But KP thought he got fouled, didn't get fouled. Uh, 30 seconds later, he posts up on Marcus Morris. The ball gets stripped. Again, no foul called. He thought it was. It was pretty close. And then with 8 minutes and 11 seconds left in the third quarter, KP posts up on Kawhi. He gets pulled or he, he gets pulled down. That was the one where KP kind of got pulled down by Kawhi. Right. And it wasn't a foul, and it was, it was you know kind of close right there. And then he misses a three, and then... Seven minutes left. He gets passed from the inbounds. He blocked. Uh, no foul. That was the, the one where Beverly kind of flies in from nowhere and then uh, hits him. And there was no foul and it was close. So four plays at the beginning of the third quarter where KP didn't get a foul that he thought he was supposed to get. And it just took him out of the rest of the game, basically, until the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, let's. There's so many things we can get into it with, with all that. But what about not getting calls got into KP's head and then not getting the ball in the right spots. Like do the Mavericks have to figure out a way to get KP 
the ball in the right spots? And how did you see those fouls or non, non-call fouls basically in the third quarter affect him? Yeah, because I think for Porzingis, I think he has to play better through contact and not allow non-foul calls to get him out of rhythm, whether it be mentally or physically what he's trying to do in terms of post position or trying to get to the basket and getting to the spots where he needs to. Because I think sometimes he can get mentally taken out of games because either he's not getting foul calls or he's not finishing through contact the way that he needs to, especially when he has... We're not getting the ball. (laughs) Exactly, we're not getting the ball at all. And that allows him to... He'll take himself out of games because I don't think necessarily offensively you know, that they're trying to do things to scheme him out of offensive plays, especially when knowing how important he is to the offense. At times, he'll take himself out of offensive plays. So for him, I think going forward, he's got to mentally stay connected to whether he's not getting touches or if he is getting touches, what can he do within the offense to make things easier for himself and his teammates? Because he's talked about it at times, you know, at points of this season also, doing things that he can to help his teammates get involved in the offense also. So if he can stay with that kind of mindset, play better through contact, and then not try to take chances by trying to take guys like Kawhi Leonard off the dribble, which is never a good idea, knowing how, again, how we've talked about how, you know, Kawhi has played guys like Giannis in the past. Like, physically, he can match up with pretty much anybody. So Porzingis has to do a better job of some matchup recognition, given some of the things that they can do in this offense with him and not mentally take himself out of games when he's not getting foul calls or those kinds of things. Because if if he can, he can find other ways to help the Mavericks in this offense. Yeah, I just found that really interesting because then at the begin, like then he then he uh, does get fouled when he faces up against Marcus Morris and mm-hmm. he, d- he goes to the line after that. But in the fourth quarter, he he's about to take a three and he hesitated, and that's when you saw it really get into his head at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, and then the ball comes back to him after that hesitation, and he takes a, sh- a three with Kawhi contesting it, and he totally missed the rim. Like he just missed the like the whole <laughs> that's rim. Right. And so it, it was like I saw that progression. You watched it, like he said, he takes himself out of games in that way. And so, yeah, it's about where he gets the ball. It's about, and so I'm, he's right in some of these senses, right? Like it is, it matters where he gets the ball, how he gets his touches, and he has to have those to be able to play his game because he's not one of these guards. He's he's not even Giannis, right? Where he can get the ball top of the key and just do something. Yeah, he's just, and he's I, not that kind of guy. Yeah, and he he's a good screener. He's a good roller at times. You've seen him being able to make plays and cuts to the basket. Cause Carlisle has talked about it a lot this season, you know, when he goes out of his way to, you know, to praise him a little bit that he can roll to the basket and do some different things creatively within the office when he's not having the ball, particularly in his hands, when it's not in the spot that he necessarily wants it in, he's got to take more advantage of some of those recognitions and those matchups where he can be, better moving off the ball, if you will, even at his size to be able to create some easy opportunities for him at the rim to get some of those foul calls to try to get to the line and get some rhythm in his jump shot, you know, as the game goes on. And they need him. I think they need him in this series. They I need agree. him to 20, 25 points a game at, at least. Like, give me give me a 38-point game again like he had last year. That would be absolutely nuts. So, all right, we will uh, talk a little bit more about KP, and then we'll get into the four big moments of that game one that I think really matter for the rest of the series. But before we do, let's talk about Indeed. If you're the hiring expert for your company, what you really need is something to help make your life easier and to give you a short list of quality candidates. You have so many in front of you, hundreds possibly. We just recently hired somebody for the Locked On Podcast Network and had like over 100 applicants. You're like, how do I even 
possibly narrow this down. Well, Indeed can help you do that. It's the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. You'll get a quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, and you only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications. You can also have skills tests that, that you can uh, put in your requirements and all that kind of stuff. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four t- four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 job credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Kevin, let's get into some more moments from the game. But first, I want to end on this Porzingis topic because he did have he did have some moments at the end of the game it wasn't all trash and he took himself out of the game and he was out of it because there was a couple moments at the end of the game where he came back and redeemed himself as i don't know if is the best word but he he, <laughs> he contributed right and he did some really good things at the end uh with about five minutes and 20 seconds luca and kp ran like their first pick and roll of the whole game right like they did not <laughs> yeah. screen and roll at all because the mavericks valued this switch with zubats and so it was maxi that, that zubats was guarding most of the time and so they had Maxi come and set the screen. And so Luca and KP ran a pick and roll when the Clippers are going really small, and and uh, KP got a dunk. It was his first made shot in nine attempts. <laughs> yeah, at that at that point in the game, and then uh, he hit that he hit that those two free throws that were really big, and then he hit that dunk on Kawhi that we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, what did you see from KP at the end of the game, and what was different than at the beginning or the you know the third quarter that you saw? I think some of his movement was better as the game went on because, again, when he's not getting the ball in certain positions, he'll take himself out of plays and out of certain situations. But when he's getting involved in the offense and screening and cutting and moving without the ball, he can find himself getting to the rim and making some plays. And then when you start getting the screen and roll game with Luka Doncic going a little bit, that's when he becomes lethal, especially when he's out picking and popping and be able to hit the shot from the outside. But I think for him – the key is going to be mentally staying involved and getting some movement going so that he can get some easy looks at the rim. And at times, he's a decent passer, so it's not like if he doesn't you know, cut to the basket and find an easy shot for himself, at times he can make a nice little pass for someone you know, maybe out for an open shot and create some easy offense for his teammates. So he's got to affect the game different ways offensively just besides looking for his own shot and staying, quote-unquote, involved in the offense when he can be involved in the offense in a multitude of ways without having you know shooting the basketball so yeah hopefully we get more of that that Luca or hopefully we get more of that KP and uh, that dunk from the corner was was awesome right like yeah he is he hates being he hates standing in the corner right you just you can just tell his body language doesn't really seem ready and he's not really the guy like Dorian's totally fine standing in the corner on yeah. offense but KP <laughs> is not but good things usually come out of that he usually gets that dunk every once in a while Luca will find him on that cut and so and then he can get spot up threes there too if he wanted but he just doesn't want to he guess he just doesn't want to play there the Mavs don't play him there often until it's like the fourth quarter. Until the fourth <laughs> quarter is when they start putting him in that corner. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, I, w- I want to move on. We could keep talking about this forever, but I want to move on to the, the four big moments in the game. The first one, uh, and there's so many big moments. To playoff game, everything matters, right? Like, it seems like every possession matters in these games. Live and die on every possession, it seems like, in the playoffs for sure. Yeah. Seriously, seriously. And according to Richard Jefferson, 
you want to treat your first foul like it's your sixth foul or your fifth <laughs> foul and live and die on every single foul that you give. I don't know if you watched uh, the national broadcast on that game, but Richard Jefferson was was doing his thing. <laughs> Luca got his third foul. Two of them with with six minutes and five seconds left in the third quarter. Luca got his third foul. Two of them were on these take fouls or the fast break stopper fouls that we mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, and t- I think they were both on Kawhi. Uh, but Luca, ba- you basically foul the guy to stop the fast break so they don't get the easy two points and it just stops the play. They take the ball out on, on the side and they just run it in. On the third foul that Luca took, Carlisle subbed him out. It was a little bit out of his normal subbing rotation and you could visibly see Luca angry. Like literally his hands, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see his hands like, like just so mad. What did you think about that decision from Carlisle? Because it was obviously out of normal rotation. He did it because of the foul because it came literally right after that. And Luca was visibly frustrated by it. What did you think about that whole sequence and decision from Carlisle? I thought Carlisle panicked a little bit, honestly, because you're right. Luca came off the, the floor. You could tell him he went over to the, to the stanchion and just like, oh, I just can't believe, you know, he took me out in that particular moment. I thought he panicked a little bit because in that moment, you got to trust your superstar to not pick up that fourth foul. And the kind of fouls that he were ta- that he was taking, you know, you mentioned on the fast breaks trying to stop those. Those are fouls that it appears that this team wants these players to take in order to stop, you know, plays in transition. So you've got to be able to trust your player in that particular, you trust him in most other situations. You got to allow a little bit of latitude for him to make sure that he is smart enough to know he's not going to pick up his fourth foul and take himself out of a ball game. Because I think he knows at this point, how important he is given where the momentum was at that particular point in the game and how crucial it was for him to remain you know, in the lineup. So I think Carlisle panicked just a little bit there and not allowed his superstar to, you know, take the reins and be smart enough not to pick up that fourth foul there. Interesting. I think I took a different approach. I think he was doing it to kind of punish Luca, like take him out because mm. he did that. Because I think Luca gets different rules than everybody else. Like we mentioned, Luca does the take fouls. KP mentioned it. Maxi mentioned it. And you'll hear him in a video in a little bit. And so I think he took him out to sh- sort of give him a statement. Like you can't take those fouls. Everyone else can take those fouls. Everyone else is expendable. But you, you cannot do that because all of a sudden Kawhi comes and he starts attacking you a bunch of times and you get some B, two BS fouls, right? And all of a sudden you have five fouls and we just can't, like, we have to take you out of the game. So I, I think it was sort of to send a message to Luca, And it seemed to work. He, and what did he finish the game with? He finished the game with four, I think. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it... I think he was trying to send a message. We'll see. That's something that's something to watch. And it seemed like Luca handled it decently well. He was frustrated in the moment because he had to be taken out of the game. But I think anytime the ball gets taken from Luca or the game itself gets taken away from Luca, he probably gets that mad too, right? Like Yeah. <laughs> like when the season was suspended, I bet he did the same thing. Like, <laughs> oh, come on, really? Like <laughs> Well, it's funny because he he only finished with those three fouls. I just looked at the box oh, he, score he again. Didn't yeah. Get fourth yet. Yeah, he only finished with those three fouls. So I, whether he punished him or whatever the case, it worked because yeah. he didn't pick up a foul for the rest of the of the game. So, the other moment I think that matters. So the number one was Luca and the take fouls. Number two mm-hmm. was the dunk heard round the world. Oh man! <laughs> R.I.P. to Maxi Kleba. The funeral oh, will be held at the boy. end of the series. Uh, three minutes and fifty six seconds left, and Kawhi Leonard gets a fast break and just dunks the mess out of Maxi Kleba. Like just completely like perfect dunk on him. Uh, perfect poster dunk and everyone's seen the video. We've seen the pictures by now. It, they're in like, they're insane to see how, uh, <laughs> to see how he dunked on him. The one thing I will mention, Kawhi always gets away with that off 
off-ball hand, right? Oh, every time. Luka does it too, right? Like, I'll Uh I'll say Luka does it too, but Kawhi always with that off-ball hand, like LeBron style, just and he pushed Maxi with that hand on this dunk. And then, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm going to tell you real quick about the mentality of a Clipper fan because I saw on Twitter today, you know, somebody was like, oh, man, the Clippers may have lost the game, but that was the coldest thing I've ever seen, you know, on a basketball court. (laughs) I quote tweeted the guy. I said, that's how you know the Clippers ain't never won anything because to think that that was the best moment in that game and you still lost and that was the coolest thing you've ever seen, that's how I know you haven't won anything in your life because that should have been a momentum-changing play for the Clippers, but yet the Mavericks were able to, you know, come back on a nice little run of their own and were able to win the basketball game. So that just tells you a lot you need to know about Clippers fans and how they get down with their business these days. Should we go on a rant about the younger generation? This is this is what the highlight the highlight generation is all about. Nobody appreciates a crisp bounce pass anymore, right? Like That's they right. all want these dunks and nobody a cares nice about pass to the pocket. Nobody appreciates good basketball no. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But I think that this dunk matters because of the way Maxi handled it and the way the Clippers handled it. There's this crazy fo- maybe I'll be able to find it, but there's this crazy photo going around of Kawhi and Paul George and uh yeah it's it was <laughs> there's like a really good uh there's a really good version of it I can't find it right now but I'm finding the was the it the three one. of them standing and looking at and Max it? Yeah, yeah there's this yeah. one there's yeah. this one that there was like the screenshot but then there's uh-huh. like the there's a really high quality one from from the Clippers, I think. But these three guys yelling at Maxi, like <laughs> Maxi Klebo, like a rotation player for the Mavericks. If these three guys, two of them didn't do anything on the play. Like nothing. You guys didn't were not involved in this at all. And screaming at him. By the way, they're still down two. It's not like they're up fifteen Facts. or you know, they're winning the game or any, or like they're they're dominating or anything like that. Uh, the game was still out of hand. Three minutes fifty six seconds, they're up two. By the way, uh <laughs> I looked in uh, how Maxi decided to handle this. He was asked about it afterwards. And so here is Maxi Kleba. This is how he decided to uh, handle this shot and how he decided basically, like, I'm not making a business decision. I'm taking this and I'm, I'm basically taking it on the chest or taking it on the chin, basically. This is what Maxi Kleba had to say. First of all, I had three fouls already, so I couldn't take an early take foul um, to stop the fast break. But, you know, this is a playoff, so I'm going to try to contest the shot. Um, I don't care about that. You know, uh, you don't try to give up easy baskets. I think the stare down should have been a technical foul in my opinion, but that's not my decision. Um, but, you know, I didn't really care. I get up and try to keep playing and we kept playing. And, you know, stuff like that happens. Obviously, it was it was an amazing dunk because I, I honestly didn't expect him to, to jump up and dunk, but it's not going to hold me back because at the end of the day, um, every possession counts and I couldn't foul. And, you know, I would do it every time again. I love that he said... I would do it every time again, right? And the decision to to do it. What did you take from from Maxi's comments there? Uh, two things, you know. One, Ma- that's Maxi. Maxi is not afraid to stay in there and try and make a play. And sometimes, sometimes you're gonna get posterized, man. That's just the nature of this league. And I think he understands that. But more so than anything, he knows that his value defensively is what it needs to be for this team. And if it means taking, you know, a poster every now and then, that's that's what needs to happen. But the fact that he was willing to say, you know, I thought that should have been a technical foul based on what happened. I mean, okay, in from the letter of the law, maybe. 
But it's in happened that, in the NBA. Like that's this is true. what I was gonna bring. This is one of the things I was gonna bring up. Is it's happened? It, I think it happened to Giannis this year, where he just stares somebody down and gets a technical. Like yes, he, like you said, letter of the law. It probably should have been. And from for three guys to do it, and not just <laughs> yeah. one dude, and to scream at him, like to step up and scream at him while he's on the ground. Yeah, letter. Of, I'm not gonna complain about it. Mavs won the game. All that stuff. I'm not getting. I'm not getting like bent out of shape because it wasn't a technical. But letter of the law, it probably should have been. Yeah, and I think that's more what he was speaking to with respect to the, you know, the quote unquote, the taunting that the three of them did once, you know, because low key, I don't think even Kawhi wanted to even scream at him. I think he saw his other two boys, you yeah, know, looking right. down and screaming. I was like, oh, I guess I got to scream too, because that's not really Kawhi's, you know, thing. He's not a, you know, a his screamer. Volume. That's, yeah, that's not his yeah, volume. <laughs> yeah, that, not not at all. Not at all. So I, I agree with Maxi on both fronts. Letter of the law probably should have been a technical, but at the same time, you know, no harm, no foul. It's in the passion in the heat of the game it just looks clownish when those three do it given what they haven't accomplished you know as far as being together with the clippers i should say with those with those right. three right yeah when you if you look Kawhi is walking away like he's the one that's kind of walking away the other two are exactly up, right? exactly I, I think that matters but okay this is why i bring this up and i think this moment matters because follow up on the broadcast said this could be a momentum defining play for this game and i was like you know what he's right about that it could have been in real time but looking back, the Mavericks finished that quarter uh, 11 to 7. Clippers didn't go on this crazy run. The Mavericks actually outscored them at the end of that third quarter. And to finish the game, the Mavericks outscored them 38 to 30. So it's not like they went on this big run and did it like did anything. The Mavericks were able to outscore them through the rest of the quarter and then the rest of the game. So they took that momentum and did nothing with it. They took these screams and didn't do anything with it. Uh, and then we talked about Porzingis with that dunk from the corner that we talked about earlier. The dunk was over Kawhi. Now, Kawhi made a business decision, moved out of the way, (laughs) and did not take it on the chest, did not try to go for the blocks. KP 7-3, little different, right? Like, a little different scenario there. But the fact that Maxi decided to take it and Kawhi didn't, I feel like says something, especially since it was a close game. Uh, When when KP got that dunk, it was 107-102, and KP made it uh, 109-102. So it was was then a seven-point game. So it was kind of a little out of reach because there was about a minute left at that point. Uh, so in, I found that interesting, the contrast between those two situations. Yeah, I think both of those, in, when you look at them, that just shows that they had no fear. Because you talked about the momentum play that could have changed the game. Kawhi goes down, gets the steal on Hardaway, takes it in transition, you know, posterizes Kleber. In the playoffs, those could be momentum-changing plays. But to me, I think that spoke more to the poise of the Mavericks and not getting rattled and feeling like they were the better team coming into the series. And that confidence, I think, really was spelled out by the way that they responded after that because a lot of teams could have looked at that situation and folded. They took it as say, hey, great play by Kawhi. We've got to go back down on the other end. Cool, bro. And, <laughs> exactly. And that and and just look, that's how you no sell a momentum changing play like that. By going down, continuing to play your game and not get rattled by what could have been, you know, a, a real game changer as far as momentum was concerned. And then for Porzingis, I think he just needed that for himself psychologically. After yeah, what he had sure. been through through the game and not really getting the you know the touches that he wanted in the certain spots that he gotten, yeah, mentioned he missed eight or nine shots you know straight at one point. He needed that to be able to get some confidence going into game two, knowing how he was able to still contribute even though he didn't shoot the ball well. I think that was more of a confidence thing for him to be able to put one down on Kawhi and then continue to keep the momentum going for what was a thirteen three runs you know to end that game. Yeah, I think you could put together a pretty good first take style take about this. Like, 
like Matt, if we decided to, like, let's just put together our best, like Skip Bayless, Nick Wright take about this. <laughs> Maxi Kleba had the guts, the balls to stand up to Kawhi Leonard and take it on the nose with this. Kawhi Leonard did not and did not try on on Chris Osmorzingis, and that is a poverty basketball mentality, right? Like you could get, you could go into all these different things. This I is won't. why the Clippers should not win this series because Kawhi was <laughs> able to posterize Maxi Kleber, but came on the other and allowed Porzingis to dunk on you know that that, 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 that kind of thing. The emphasis know. on the end of Porzingis is perfect. Yeah. Like. Uh, <laughs> uh, Two more moments I want to get into. We'll get to them pretty quick. Uh, we talked about this one a lot, I think. Brunson and the the fourth quarter and ones. Uh, eight minutes and 30 seconds, Brunson got an and one on the right side of the rim. And then with eight minutes left, basically back-to-back possessions, he got and ones. Missed the free throw on the second one, but uh, and one on the right side of the rim, left side of the rim. I thought those were so important. First of all, Brunson's d- playoff debut, huge plays, right? Like McMahon talks about the cojones factor. That was Boom, right there. Yeah. The other thing, the Clippers were on a 9-1 run to start the fourth quarter before these two shots. And these two sh- these two and ones uh, gave them, math, five points. <laughs> they, were, they were able to kind of erase some of that and brought him back. What did you think about Brunson's debut and then these two shots specifically? I thought Jalen Brunson for his playoff debut, especially in those big moments early on in the fourth quarter, just really spoke to what Brunson has been to this team all season long, whether he's done some spot starting or primarily what he's done well this season is be a closer in the fourth quarter. Those nine points that he had in the fourth quarter were just massive because the and ones that he had were kind of, all right, settle down plays. Yeah, the, right. the Clippers made their initial run at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Brunson with his steady hand is like, okay, we're going to calm things down, get a couple of and ones here. And then things just started to slowly develop as the rest of the quarter went on. So I thought it was typical Jalen Brunson with his calm demeanor, not letting the moment get too big for him in his first playoff game and really did what he's been doing all season long for the most part. And that's closing in the fourth quarter. And he, he got that started with those couple of big baskets that he had. Huge, absolutely huge for Jalen Brunson. The other moment, the fourth moment here, Tim Hardaway Jr. had a back-to-back possession sequence, uh, four minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Tim Hardaway took that charge from Paul George. Uh, that the Clippers challenged that was unsuccessful. And then immediately after that, all the stoppage, like he didn't, it, usually back-to-back possessions with this momentum kind of thing. It's the charge, and then boom, you take all that energy, that potential energy, turn it into kinetic energy on the, the <laughs> offensive end and hit the three, right? Like, boom, the crowd like reacts and all that. This one, Tim Hardaway Jr. took the charge. There was the, t- there was the stop, the challenge, all this stuff it was unsuccessful. The challenges always take forever, all that. Tim Hardaway Jr. came on the other end and took a three, but the three was to retake the lead. The Clippers mm-hmm. had the lead at that point, and the Clipper, and the Mavericks retook the lead. What do you think about Tim Hardaway Jr. and that sequence specifically? Because I thought that was a huge sequence. Again, like the Brunson thing, for uh, you know taking back momentum, like calm down, everybody. We can do this. We can take the lead back. I think again, that's a microcosm of what Tim Hardaway's been for this team all season long. This is yeah, a guy. So they're, just, they're very similar. Both these situations. exactly. You know, he he was tired for eighth in the NBA in terms of charges taken, and that's something that has been an mo of his all season long. Being willing to step in and take charges, and then coming in and hitting big shots and big moments. You know, this is a guy that we know how streaky Timmy can get. Right? We know how streaky he can be as a shooter, but what you saw from him in this game was a steady progression of him staying within himself and allowing the game to come to him. And I think those two moments were perfect moments where he allowed the game to come to him offensively and defensively because allowing that defensive momentum, taking the charge and then coming back on the other end and hitting that, you know, that three pointer. Those are the things that 
mature basketball players do in moments like this in terms of the playoff situations and not allowing the moment to overwhelm them. And Tim Hardaway just showed again in that moment, the maturation process that he and this team have been going through this season. I think those that sequence was a per- perfect microcosm of that. Absolutely. For both of those guys, like you said, yeah. perfect, perfect example of what both of those guys bring. So hopefully we'll get a couple more. We've, we didn't even talk about Dorian Finney-Smith. You talked about him a lot in your post game. We talked about him a lot in our post game. He was massive, mm-hmm. but I thought those two guys didn't get enough love from from us specifically at the end. And so I wanted to bring those back up. Kevin Gray, follow him at Kevin Gray Sports. I'll put a link in the description of the podcast. You can also go subscribe to his YouTube channel. Anywhere else do they want to find you? One o five three anywhere like that. Yeah, yeah. You can catch me every single weekend on a one o five three. The fan with my partner uh, Chris Arnold, a two time. Hall of Famer, and uh, yeah, man, I pre- that's right, man. Everybody loves Chris <laughs> on. I love working with him, and uh, yeah, please, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at uh, Kevin Gray Sports, and definitely, definitely hit that subscribe button on uh, Kevin Gray Sports on on YouTube, man. So I really appreciate the invite. A lot of fun as always. What you and Isaac do on the Lockdown Mavericks podcast is tremendous stuff, bringing coverage to all the MFFLs out there, and uh, I'm just happy to be a small part of it this time around, man. So I appreciate the invite. Heck yeah. I usually tell guests if you don't, if you, if you, if you don't do a good job, I won't ask you back, but if you did, I'll probably ask you back. So, so if I don't ask you back, yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, I think you're getting an invite back, but there you go. We'll be back with more coverage. We'll hopefully have another guest tomorrow. Isaac is still gallivanting around somewhere. He decided to take a couple days off during the playoffs. I don't know what he's doing, but he'll be back for our post game. We'll have somebody else tomorrow. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Luca has been able to get whatever he wants against Zubats when he's been switched on to him in the game, and it happens again. Hardaway, the first player to get hands on it. Rebound credited to Luca, who does it again over Zubats.